Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Gabe Miner. Gabe is a Jewish educator and freelance writer currently living in Warsaw, Poland. He's worked with learners of all ages in synagogues, camps, day schools, and youth organizations. As a Yiddish Book Center pedagogy fellow and an alum of the Yiddish Book Center's pedagogy program, Gabe taught a Yiddish program at Boston Workers Circle. In that program, he was able to test out the Yiddish Book Center's forthcoming Yiddish textbook, In Anum. Gabe received his master's in Jewish education and a BA in modern Jewish studies from the Jewish Theological Seminary, as well as a BA in dramatic literature and playwriting from Columbia University, and is an award-winning playwright who has written digitally children's media for Shalom Sesame and the Dodo. Welcome, Gabe. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, great to have you. I think this call finds you in Warsaw, yes? Yes, yes, indeed, in Warsaw. So I'm uh, six hours ahead of you now, and don't worry, nothing nothing bad happens in the future. Oh. <laughs> wow, this is very cool that I should talk to you every day. Um, <laughs> and you can map out whether I should, you know, return home for another cup of coffee. Um, so... I guess the first question I have for you is, how did you find your way to uh, Warsaw? And I don't mean in terms of transportation, but uh, what, what, what sent you in that direction? Yeah, well, my fiance Rochelle Grossman, is getting her PhD in comparative literature, and she looks at she looks at Yiddish literature. And um, just as a shout out to Book Center, she is also she is also an alum of the Pedagogy Fellows Program and of the Steiner uh, Summer Program. And anyway, she she received a research fellowship to work on her dissertation here in Poland for the year. So she's been doing research at the Jewish Historical Institute and working on her dissertation. And I've been over here working with a company called Camp America, which brings international students to work at American overnight camps. I worked with them. Uh, I worked at a camp in the Poconos for many summers. And I've worked with Camp America as a director. And when we decided to spend a year in Warsaw, I was able to connect with them and help from the the other side of things. So I've been doing that and doing some writing while I'm over here. You are a multi-talented person um, and curious to know the connection to Yiddish. What drew you to it and to be part of the pedagogy program and to sort of further your work within that sector? Well, I've always really loved Jewish learning, and as you mentioned, I did my undergraduate work at Columbia and the Jewish Theological Seminary, and while I was at JTS, I took a class called Modern Yiddish Fabulists with David Roskies, which was, for me, just really an eye-opening experience. It was a wonderful class. He was a tremendous teacher, and... I decided this is this is what I want to study while I'm here at JTS, and so I continued to take classes with him and to take Yiddish classes, and so uh, you know I've always loved the literature and the music of the language, and in the last few years I've gotten to get a little more involved with that in Boston, uh, Boston's Yiddish scene, of which there's a, a decent yeah, a decent Yiddish scene in in Boston, especially for young Yiddish speakers. So we connected along um, the way when I was in Poland for the Sholomash Festival last October uh, and met up with Rochelle and met up with you at the opening event that took place in Warsaw. And then again 
in Kutna, and you just wrote a really wonderful article for Ingeveb, which talked about the festival. You were only able to participate in part of the five-day festival, but I'd love to know, from your point of view again, what sort of surprised you, what took you, you know, what what were you taken with and wowed with in terms of all that the festival offered? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the festival was a really wonderful experience, and I was really just so impressed with what a what a local uh, what a local presentation it was how much the town really came together from the schools the local government the local institutions were interested in coming together to create this experience this celebration of a, a sort of hometown hero uh, you know I would not necessarily have expected that this town which does not have really a Jewish population to speak of today, that they would be so interested in their in this part of their history. But one of the things that I've found while I'm over here is this interesting way that for a lot of Polish people, they understand Jewish history as a part of their own history, as a part of Polish history. And so it was great to to see this at the festival. I was really impressed with the way they involved the schools in the in the festival throughout the week, and just the ways that they are constantly. You know, I looked at a few offerings from festivals in years past too, as I was trying to learn a little more about the festival, and the way that they keep challenging themselves to engage with Jewish culture and specifically ashes materials in new, interesting, artistic ways for for everyone in the community. Yeah, I was absolutely struck by um, the level of scholarship about mm-hmm. Yiddish that's taking place um, and, you know, sort of just in, in general what's going on. You know, as you say, the engagement with the town and the students was really just so, I want to use the word surprising because I knew it was going to be a really interesting festival from what I'd heard, but I didn't think it was going to be as just um, so incredible and so... Um, so well produced on on all levels and engaging for everybody. And yeah, and I think that from I, I think it is in a, you know it's okay to use the word surprising because I, I would say I was also surprised. I think coming from the sort of American experience, we're so used to the field of Jewish studies and the, these larger Jewish celebrations really being largely for Jewish audiences and put on by Jewish institutions and organizations. And in Poland, you have a lot of, certainly there are Jewish institutions that are doing great work and that are putting on really interesting programs. But you also do have these these towns that have uh, markers of their Jewish history or aspects of their town's Jewish story in their museums. Um, and even academically speaking, a lot of the field of Jewish studies here is you know, is made up of non-Jewish scholars, which is also, uh, you know, a little different from from the scene in the U.S. So uh, it, it is at first a bit surprising, but then, as I said, you get to see the way for so many people this is that this is a part of their history, and it's really great to see. So we met up first at the, and I've got the name right, the Jewish Historical Institute in Warsaw. Um, and there was a program there with two of the scholars who were talking about the books that were commissioned just for the Osh Festival, which also was 
really incredible that they would commission and publish two scholarly works, uh, and both Monica and Agnieszka, and I'm, I'm skipping their last names at the moment, forgive me, um, uh, presented, David Mazauer opened it by talking a little bit about um, Sholomash's life and family and sort of that connection to Kutno. So that evening made me realize that there really is, um, can I say there's sort of a scene, not only scholarship, but there's uh, an enthusiasm for Yiddish and all of the aspects of culture that played out in in Poland. Are you finding that? Uh, I am. I think that there is, you know, I would even broaden it to say a, a at least in scholarship, an interest in Jewish studies. But within that, I think that there is a, um, you know, a, certainly a part of that is Yiddish and a knowledge of Yiddish if you're working with primary documents, um, you know, uh, Rochelle would really be able to speak better to to that scene as she's, for, for obvious reasons, a little more involved in it than I am. But I think it's definitely safe to say that there are Yiddish, you know, there are a number, as I said, of Jewish programs going, going on here, some of which we've been lucky enough to go to while we're here, uh, either through our own planning and even sometimes that we've just sort of stumbled upon. And um, let's go back to the festival. Uh, you made your way to Kutno a couple of days after we met up in Warsaw, and you and Rochelle attended the Jewish dinner, um, which yeah. was about four days in, um, and it was right before the, the finale, the, the massive performance, which was just breathtaking and Broadway bound in my book. Um, I'm sorry you missed that. But talk a little bit about that dinner, if you would. It was really quite charming and... Um, so celebratory and packed to capacity. Yeah, it was it was a sold out evening, and it was the food was delicious. the The music was great. It was an evening of music. Uh, I think it was. I think the name of the program was the music of Ash or Ash, a musical journey, and it was sort of organized to be a, a musical journey through Ash's life. So it looked at for of the major places for him. The first set of music of songs were Yiddish and Klezmer songs representing Ash's Jewish heritage. Next, they performed Polish songs to represent Ash's Polish heritage. Then they moved to French music representing the years that he spent in Paris with his family. And then it finished with big band uh, swing music from the U.S. where he spent most of the the later years in his life. He spent the last few years in Israel, uh, and there was no Israeli music to speak of. But it was really, a, a, again, it was this example of the team looking for an interesting way to engage with this figure in his work and his life. And I think they did a really wonderful job of, of coming up with a, a way to explore Ash and his life. And the, the food was also, you know, an interesting piece of the evening uh, to, to see something labeled as a, a Jewish menu and to see something called Jewish caviar was, you know, at first a little surprising. What does that mean? Um, and, you know, it's also interesting because as one of the things I've found being here in Poland is that so much of the food that we think of as Jewish food, or at least as Ashkenazi, Ashkenaz Jewish food, 
uh, is is just Polish food. Uh, it's just the the kosher version of it. So instead of the pork in the soup, it's chicken, or instead of the pork cutlet, it's a chicken cutlet. Uh, so it was also you know interesting to see the way the they designed the menu to try and represent some of the Jewish culinary traditions. And for me, it was really quite incredible to well be in Poland. I'd never been there before. And, you know, coming from the Yiddish Book Center and being surrounded by all of this literature and, and so much of it, you know, is rooted in Poland that it really, it gives you a sense of where these stories were written, what, what they're reflecting, and, and that sort of aspect of Jewish culture um, from, from way, you know, from the early part of the 20th century. So we also... Um, met up the after the, the evening of Jewish food and dance um, and did something which I thought was hilariously funny. I think it's safe to say we all had a good time playing with this. Um, and again, it was kind of surprising that they developed an app um, for the students. Uh, and all of the students, I think a 1,000 students took part in this um, during the festival where they were given this app. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about it. Um, and it took us all on this kind of can I say Pokemon-like experience? <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was. It was. A, 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 it was almost like a Yiddish Pokemon Go, uh, which I heard that actually the book center was a, a big, a big hub of Pokemon Go um, the, the summer that it was incredible. The, the summer that it was popular. But uh, yeah, yes, no. during during Yidstock, I was. It was brought to my attention that we were a stop, on, and it was very confusing. But, but more about uh, that on another podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, but the app that they developed, the the library, who was the who was the sort of organizing entity of the festival, they commissioned this app, and they worked with the developers to provide source material and to to create this app, which led people, led users all around the town of Kutno and using historical photographs and diary entries and stories from of different figures of the town. It sort of wove together the history of the town. So we learned about some of the town's founders and why it's called the, the town of the roses, uh, you know, wove that together with Ash's childhood and Ash's history of Kutno as as the, the town that he grew up in. And it was, like you said, it was, a, it was a blast. It was so much fun to go around the town with you and with David and with the library team and with Rochelle and to play this game, which, you know, anytime you, there, there, there's a reason that gamification works as an educational tool because it's fun and it gives you these, this instant feedback and gratification when you get something right and you, you know, it, it makes stinging noises and the face gives you a big thumbs up. Um, so yeah, we, and we went around from location to location, getting to learn about these significant places in that, these places that were significant for Ash, the place that where his house stood, the, the Maccabi club where he participated in sports, uh, the, the house of a, a wealthy, I think it was a wood merchant, and, you know, playing sometimes asking you to 
respond with by answering questions uh, about the history or asking you to play games like counting the number of columns on this house's balcony. And yeah, it was a really, it was a really impressive undertaking and a great way to, for them to bring people, uh, you know, bring people back in time and to see what it was that Ash might have been doing in this, uh, you know, in, in his town. And it was fun to do it with you guys because we had a lot of different challenges. It was in Polish. Um, so I think Rochelle and I were um, charged with doing Google Translate for all of us. And we were lucky enough to have the great grandson of Sholomash, David Mazauer, with us, who had a lot of clues <laughs> to yeah, what yeah, the, that, those no, buildings. He definitely helped us, helped uh, knew a few of the answers already. And you had the technology. I have to give you know hats off to you. Uh, <laughs> so between the four of us, we were actually able to do this. But it really was a great way to learn and engage with and see the the vibrant community that was, you know, the Jewish community before the war. Um, yeah. It, it's really apparent. I mean, it's it's there in landmarks because many of the buildings don't exist anymore. But you began mm-hmm. to see where that Jewish community resided and and how much they were a part of Kutno. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, you know, the work that they did in in putting together, um, you know, historical images and diary entries was really was really impressive. Yeah, the only disappointment is that you can't show it to anybody unless you are in Kutno, which wouldn't be bad to be back there, but <laughs> trying to explain. I think you did screen grabs, which was very smart. Uh, I was going to say, I, was, I made sure to do some screen grabs to remember it. Yes. So I'm curious, um, being in Warsaw for the year with Rochelle, being sort of immersed in in the Yiddish world there, uh, scholarship, you have taught could you have imagined sort of where all of this interest in Yiddish, um, how it would come together with your interest in being an educator, et cetera, and where do you see it all going? Hmm. Uh, well, I certainly did not expect that I was going to spend a year living in Warsaw. That was, uh, that was not uh, something that I had planned, but, you know, we had this really exciting opportunity. Rochelle got this great grant. And we decided that it was absolutely, you know, in both of our best interests to to go and experience this for the year. Um, it has been it's been really fascinating to see a Jewish community outside of the United States uh, to see the way the Jewish community functions here, and also to be in this place that, as you said, is really where so much of Yiddish history and literature and culture uh, happened and was being made. And there's a way in which it's sad because it's obviously not here in the way that it was. Um, And I think that that's an interesting part of living in Poland is balancing memory with moving forward through the future. I think actually that's one of the things that Warsaw does pretty well is that they have a number of markers throughout the city to show where the ghetto walls were or significant, you know, uh, significant points or places 
from from the ghetto or from from that time. Um, but you also can't really, you know, if, if you kept every if they kept every building that was uh, that had Jews living in it, you know, they wouldn't be able to to build anything new. So you know, sort of balancing memory and uh, more really balancing memorial and moving things forward. Um, I think it's been really interesting. Uh, you know, one of the places that it's been surprisingly interesting is in my own learning Polish. Uh, Rochelle and I took a class, a Polish class at the beginning of our time here. And I, I wouldn't say that learning Polish is made easier by knowing Yiddish, but it, it definitely led to a few treats, um, you know, moments of realization like, oh, wait, I know this word because of, because of it, this word, this Polish word is the same in Yiddish. Um, so the, that was a, an interesting, yeah, you know, a, a series of surprises in the Polish classes and living here. And to answer also the question of where do I see it going, uh, that's a great question. I think that it will certainly inform the work that I do as an educator moving forward because I'll be able to share with my learners these places that you know, not only have historical significance, but for me now have personal significance. Uh, when we first moved to Warsaw, we lived in a building, one of the few pre-war buildings that was still standing, um, right by uh, a street called Tomaski, which is where the Jewish Historical Institute now is, uh, and it's also where where Peretz, right, uh, where, where Peretz lived when he was living in Warsaw and where it was this, this uh, center of great Yiddish literature and culture. And so to have a personal stake there is, for me, you know, really significant. Um, I think it also has opened my eyes to some sources as a Yiddish teacher that I might not otherwise have found or necessarily gravitated to. Um, there is a, a house an apartment in Krakow. It's not an apartment anymore. It was the apartment of a Yiddish poet named Mordechai Gebirtig, and it is now a monument, sort of, to to Gebirtig, to his to his life, to his to his poetry and music. And we really happened by it happened upon it quite by accident. We were walking home in Krakow one evening and. We heard this soft klezmer Yiddish music, and we were sort of like, "Where? What is that? Where is that?" And we realized it was coming from this basement apartment. And we looked in and saw that it was the the window was open, a light was on, and it was set up to to be a display. Uh, and you know, we read then that it was this had been the house of this this Yiddish poet uh, who you know one of his most famous um, songs is Sprint, uh, it's Burning, which uh, actually was written not about the Holocaust, but about a, a pogrom. Um, and, you know, for, so for me as an educator now, I have this, this song, this great Yiddish text, this beautiful Yiddish poem that I can teach. And when I teach it, not only share sort of this larger 
piece of Yiddish history, but also my own personal experience with with coming across this uh, the author's house like this. And quickly before I let you go, um, other places that you visited? Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> a lot. We we went to, to Łódź, which is a city in central Poland that has a rich Jewish history uh, and also a history as a major textile center, and one of the town's leading industrial barons was a, a man named Israel Poznanski, and he had this opulent house, like a palace, really, and it's now the city's official, the official city museum. Uh, and while we, when we visit, when we visited, sorry, when we visited, there was an exhibit there on Jung Yiddish, which was an artistic and literary avant-garde group in the early uh, the early 20th century that was founded there. And so we got to see paintings and sculptures and a number of copies of the, the magazine that they had published. And it was a really fascinating uh, exhibit. And, oh gosh, where else? Well, there's lots of, um, there's lots of interesting Jewish things going on in Krakow, uh, particularly in Kazimierz, in the, the old Jewish quarter, some of which is really quite interesting, uh, some of which is kind of kitschy and, uh, you know, in a way is like trafficking in its Jewishness because it's a major, because Krakow is a major Jewish um, tourist center. Um, I mean, we could we could do a whole other <laughs> podcast on on some on the, the interesting Jewish things in Krakow. That's a whole other whole other story. All right. Well, there's um, a, there's a, I guess the the short of it is there's no shortage of places to visit in the country, and all pr- fairly accessible. Yeah. 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 The it's been very great. We've loved getting to travel around the country, uh, mostly by mostly by train, but uh, also you know, renting a car and just driving, driving through the country and seeing, seeing these, these small towns. We actually, this week, just this weekend, uh, we were driving through this, through a, um, through a small town and we noticed the street called Ulitsa Zhidovska, Jewish Street. And we thought like, gee, why, that's, huh, why is, why is the street called Jewish Street? Let's drive down it and see. And it turned out that the, on the street was the town's old Jewish cemetery, and it had been destroyed in the 40s. But for whatever reason, in the 80s, the town, you know, took on the project of reconstructing the cemetery walls and putting up the, you know, the gravestones that they were able to find. Uh, and yeah, it's just another, like you said, example of these towns that have this Jewish history and that are that are marking it and that are trying to do uh, something with it. Well, Gabe, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and sharing a bit about what's what's in your life there in, in Warsaw. And, you know, it, it really was very um, wonderful to connect with you in Poland. It was a surprise. I didn't know that we would run into one another and to remind her sort of, of how how great it is to see what so many of our alums are doing from these educational programs and the community and how we find ourselves in different corners of the globe, but all with a similar enthusiasm and insatiable curiosity for 
learning about the Yiddish culture. Um, and please give my best to Rochelle. And I certainly will. And thanks so much for uh, for chat for having me on the on the podcast. All right. Well, I hope I see you stateside um, or with luck, maybe in Poland again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Be well. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For more on Yiddish and Jewish culture, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. Today's podcast was coordinated by Sam Brivik and produced by Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Mm-hmm.